You're listening to audio from First Christian Church. To find out more about us or to donate to our ministries, visit firstabq.org. For those that are able, would you please stand for the Word of God? A very familiar passage from Ecclesiastes. For everything there is a season, and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. And speaking of seasons, if you go to first, you know I'm not Brady Bryce, so you're here on a season for a guest message. My name is Chris Sturgis and I'm an elder here. If you're online or if you're new to first, you're not going to see me up here most of the time, but it is a privilege to be here today and share the word of God and the message with you. Everybody goes through seasons. And if you know my wife, you know she is an incredible gardener, gifted at gardening. And when we first got married, I knew that. And I loved gardening when we first got married because we had a hammock and I would go get in the hammock, and I would watch her work. And then later on, I got to eat all this great food. It was wonderful. It seemed to me that's the way gardening should be. But she's kind of sneaky. And little by little, she started talking me into stuff. And you know, as I started helping her, I realized that she talks to the plants. I mean, that's kind of weird, right? I mean, the other day I was talking to the chickens and they thought it was kind of weird that she talks to the plants. <laughs> but here's the thing. Stacy has always had a bigger vision for what the garden can be. If a little garden is good, then only planting stuff we can eat is even better. And that's what she told me about six years ago. Hence the three new fig trees where the roses were and the containers with eggplants and herbs, artichokes, chickens, beans, grapes, apples, pears, figs, beets, onions, celery, and okra, and this year, chard. Really, chard, I can't believe it. Everywhere you look in our yard, there's something to eat. And because my almost three-year-old granddaughter has me wrapped around her little finger and her favorite fruit is blueberries, we now have two blueberry bushes. But I have to stay, Stacy's gotten me on board and I really love to garden now. And the granddaughter's all in as well. Although I have to say for her, it's mostly about spraying the hose around and getting muddy. But that's not really a bad part. You know, I sometimes kind of wonder if our walk with God is kind of like my vision used to be for the garden. There's a little patch that needs tending. Our life could use a little tending. But God sees what we could be. 
It's a vast garden of godliness. You know, at our house every spring, because it's a new season, there's excitement because we're ready to plant. And even now, I get excited. But there's preparation that has to go into that. Jesus told them many things in parables, saying a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seed fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Clearly, the better the soil, the better the harvest. And folks, we're the soil. I mean, it doesn't really matter how good the seeds are if we just set them out on the sidewalk out front. So my first question this morning is, are you the sidewalk? What season are you in right now? Are there things that you've hardened to God that you won't let in? In Hosea, the prophet tells us to break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord, that he may come and righteousness within you. And if you're just kind of in on following Jesus, not really a CEO Christian, Christmas and Easter only, but a semi-regular in church and a semi-regular in the Bible, but you know, you kind of have your own life to live, so you're only semi-in, you're rocky soil. There's a little promise of a harvest, but in these dog days of summer, when it's hot and it's dry, that harvest just kind of withers away. Or maybe you're like me sometimes, thorny soil. We don't have our priorities straight. Our sins and earthly desires choke out what God would really desire us to do. So how do we become that abundant soil? We look at ourselves and we ask, who am I mad at? What in my past or present is preventing me from having the ground open up to God sowing his seeds from my abundant harvest? Am I ready to forgive the unforgivable? Not in my strength, but in God's strength. Then Peter came up to Jesus and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? And before I go on, this is so typical, Peter, because in the Jewish tradition at the time, if you went up to somebody you had wronged and asked for forgiveness three times, and they wouldn't forgive you, you didn't have to ask anymore. So you can almost see Peter going up to Jesus thinking, I'm going to say seven, because that's more than twice as much as I actually have to. Oh, Peter, you'd think he would have gotten it by now. So Jesus said, I do not say to you seven, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to, the, to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. 
And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, I implore you, and I will pay you. But this servant refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to the master all that they had, taken, they had seen. Then the master summoned the first servant and said, You wicked servant! I forgave all your debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in his anger he delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all of his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Folks, when I accepted Christ, God's forgiven me for all my sins and all my debts. Who am I to walk through this life and not forgive others who have wronged me? You know, I think there's even a prayer, I think it's called a model prayer, that we pray sometimes that says exactly that. God, forgive me my sins as I forgive others. You know, God wants to move in us and through us in a powerful way. But I know sometimes I won't open my heart up to him to allow that love to flow through every hurt and every pain that I have hidden away. He knows what's there, but he wants me to bring it to him, to tell him, to scream at him, to cry to him, to lay it at the cross for him. You know, I completely understand what Paul tells the Romans when he says he has the desire to do good things, but not the ability. And I know I don't, at least not on my own. But that's what surrendering to Christ means, that we allow him to dwell completely in us, to give him access to every shadowy corner of our heart, even those we've sealed off from him. And in 1 John, John says, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us. Breaking up the fallow ground means to not have seed sown among the thorns. Break off evil habits. Clear the weeds from our hearts that I might be prepared for righteousness. As the prophet says, break off your evil ways. Repent of your sins. Cease to do evil. And then good seed will have room to grow and bear fruit. Go to God and ask him, Lord, I'm unable to do this on my own. Show me the hard and hidden areas of my life. And then listen to what he says. Spend time with God. Enjoy his word and enjoy his company. Turn off the phone. Turn off the TV. Turn off the computer. And you know what? I have to say now from experience, if you have a garden, go out and tend it. Just be there with the garden and with God. And if you don't have a garden, go outside and just look around at the majesty that the Lord's created. And if you can't go outside, just bring God into your heart 
And no matter where you are, thank him. The psalmist says, I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. And the prophet Hosea says, but you must return to your God, maintain love and justice, and wait for your God always. Then when you're alone, but actively with the Lord, listening, speaking, you will hear his voice. He will sow seeds. And remember the parable. He's not stingy. Seeds were falling everywhere. There'll be seeds for you too. And then God can plant the seeds of righteousness, the seeds of the abundant life that Jesus promised. That's what he came to earth for. Because of Jesus, we can have the life God wants us to have. Rich, full, joyful, overflowing with meaningful activities, all with God's blessing. So I'm working on the soil. Or better yet, I'm working on letting God help me with the soil to prepare for his seeds. So now what? I've worked on the soil, and as a gardener by marriage, I can tell you now what? You water, and then you water, and here in the desert, you water some more. You just keep watering. But in our walk with God, and in our service to him, what is watering? Well, Jesus makes it pretty plain when he's asked what the greatest commandment is. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You know, I'm a lawyer by trade. That's my day job. And when you read cases and they say shall, it means you do it. Jesus uses that word here, shall. That's the water. Love God with all you've got and love your neighbor. And we know exactly what love is from Corinthians and Galatians. It's patient. It's kind. Love doesn't envy and it doesn't boast. It doesn't insist on its own way. Now, can you imagine how much strife, less strife there'd be in the world or in your home if you didn't insist on your own way? It's not resentful or irritable, doesn't boast in wrongdoing. It rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things. It hopes all things and endures all things. And it never ends. And the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And that is what I'm called to be every day. So tomorrow, if my soil is really ready, and I'm watering it, I should have unlimited forgiveness. Cut off in traffic, forgiven. My boss yells at me for something I didn't even do, forgiven. My daughter Katie eats the last homemade chocolate chip cookie. Mm, forgiven. But it's more than that. Tomorrow I will be patient and I'll be kind. And I won't envy anyone or anything. It won't be my way or the highway. I won't boast or be irritable. And when I see this list, I think, geez, how am I going to survive in this world 
that's sarcastic, divided, and everybody's a know-it-all. But that's just it. If we've accepted Christ, we're not of this world anymore. Christians are supposed to be different, and it should show. But the problem for me is we are in this world right now. And that can be hard. And I understand that while God does make everything work for good, I may not be, always be able to see that always because his thoughts are not my thoughts and his ways are not my ways. And it's so hard when I can't see the point, when I can't see the outcome. I can't figure it out. I don't know what God's plan is. Perhaps my patience needs some working on. I mean, how long should I water when I don't see any harvest? How long? You know, there's a tree in the Far East called the Chinese bamboo. And it's unlike other trees, where most trees grow a little bit each year. With the Chinese bamboo, you plant it, and for four years you water it, and it doesn't do anything. It doesn't sprout a little bit. It doesn't even break the soil apart. It does nothing. But you have to keep watering it, or it will die. But the fifth year, in as little as five weeks, the Chinese bamboo can grow 90 feet tall. So watering the soil in our walk with God will be like that at times. We will be praying, we'll be encouraging each other, we'll be coming to church, we'll be doing everything we can and we can't see anything. No harvest. But when we can't see the harvest, what we require is faith. And sometimes faith can be hard. And I don't mean the big picture faith because I really believe that Christ died for my sins and I know that I'm going to spend eternity with God. But sometimes the day-to-day -day faith can be really difficult. When you've lost your job, when your marriage is falling apart, when a family member or friend is sick, I mean really sick and won't get better, when you just don't think you can take one more step, that's when faith is really hard. And what makes it harder because of the commandments is, I'm not just supposed to water my own soil and take care of myself. I'm supposed to water my wife's, my kids, my families, my friends, no matter what's going on around me. When it's bumpy. You know, as a parent, we do this all the time. We pray for our kids. Well, I hope this or that happens. I hope they will or won't do this or that. And sometimes we just don't see the results. And I have to laugh, because as I was doing this, our middle son, Jonathan, has just seemed not himself lately. And Stacy and I have prayed for him, and Jonathan's normally gregarious and outgoing, and we just didn't know what was wrong. So we decided a couple weeks ago to invite him over to dinner just to talk to him. And we said something, but before we could get started with the parenting, he said, oh, I just wanted to tell you, I've registered for my master's degree. I'm really excited about it. I'm going to be doing this, this, and that. And we said, we thought you weren't doing too well. And he goes, what made you think that? <laughs> it was like he, we were praying, and there were things happening, but we couldn't see it. God had his plan, not my plan. 
Remember not to stop watering because God is at work even when we don't see it. So in addition to watering, I've learned that there's something else you have to do when you're a gardener. You have to weed. And weeds are everywhere. Even if you don't water, the weeds seem to grow. And you know what? The weeds are my sin. In the garden, you weed so the plant that you've sowed, God's seed in us will flourish. But you also need to prune and weed so that that harvest can be strong. And it needs to be done all the time. We need to reflect. We need to take a step back every single day and look at, is there anything I'm doing that's causing weeds to grow in God's garden? Because I don't think there's any morning where a spouse wakes up and says, hey, today I'm going to have an affair. But maybe we do allow a little flirt or go to a lunch that we shouldn't go to. Or maybe is it stealing? I bet if I asked everybody here, do you steal from your job? I think everybody would probably say no, I would. And yet if I watch other people at work who aren't really doing their job, they're kind of lazy, and instead of ignoring them, I follow them, but I take a full paycheck, aren't I stealing? It sneaks up, so we need to weed. And if we have something or someone who we know will put a temptation in front of us, we need to prune that relationship right away. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Or as Paul said to the Corinthians, do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Or the Apostle Peter, or Jason Helms right here says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Gardeners and Christians need to weed every day. And we need to watch for weeds in each other's gardens, not to have some kind of gotcha moment, like I think the news and social media and politics looks for, but so that we can exercise Christ-like love for each other. We are the body of Christ when we prepare the soil and water the soil and weed, not just for ourselves, but for each other. So we've prepared the soil, we've watered, we've weeded, now what? Well, in the garden, as well as our hearts, we kind of wait for that harvest, the fruits. But it's not really our garden anymore if we've done that. If we've prepared the soil as God wishes, taken the seeds that God chooses to plant within us, and we're weeding and watering, now is the time for God's abundant harvest through you and through me. But now today, it's hot. And in the heat of summer, those dog days, it's not so exciting. But in our walk with God, much of the time will be spent in the dog days of summer, as individuals and as a church family. You know, when we initially give our lives to Christ, it's so exciting. We're baptized and people are excited for us. And then when we finish this life and we pass on and we get to meet our Lord and Savior, man, that's an abundant harvest. But in between, there's a lot of breaking up of soil and watering and weeding. And you know, here at first, we're kind of in that space now. And it's not a bad thing. Brady's been here a couple years. 
Jimmy's been in his position for a couple years. Gerald's been here a little over a year. So it's not that kind of shiny new thing, but it's a good thing. It's actually a great thing. And we've been following Jesus, and I can tell you, seeds are being planted, and we see things happening. But now today, in the desert, stuff needs to get done. Watering and weeding, even when we're dealing with our own families and our jobs and just our lives, especially when it's uncomfortable and tedious in hopes of a harvest. Paul says to the Galatians to not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. As gardeners and Christians, we should have an unwavering commitment to the harvest, even if we don't see it. You know, in our garden this year, the apples and peaches are just not so good, but we keep watering those trees because last year they were amazing, and so we have a hope that next year they will be as well. This year, eggplants are going crazy. In fact, I think Stacy's bringing some eggplants and zucchinis next service. You know, gardening and being a Christian can sometimes be hard work, and dirty work, and sometimes risky work. Because on this earth, and in this season, we may not see a harvest. You know, when I first got married, I knew that a rainstorm or a hailstorm could wreck a garden, but I didn't pay that much attention. If it rained in April or May, I was more worried about it raining out my softball game. But now, when we've planted and we've started to water and the clouds come up, I look out the window in a whole different way because I want the rain. I just don't want the wind and I don't want the hail because I want the harvest. But you know what? God's work isn't always in the harvest. And the strange thing is, if you're a gardener or a Christian, if we focused on the harvest, it can be frustrating. In fact, it can bring about issues, and sometimes really bad issues. Why don't we have any tomatoes this year? Why aren't there more people in church? Why are the leaves yellow? Why isn't the parking lot repaved? Why is it so hot outside? Why is it so hot inside? Sometimes I have to remember that my job is to pre prepare the soil and water. That's it. I will leave the sowing and the harvest where it belongs with the God of the universe and live every day that I can with the life or the, with the attributes from Corinthians. So here we are. Where do we go from here? Well, we go out of this room never stopping forgiving others. We never stop watering or loving others. And you remember how I said that it just wouldn't work to throw seeds on the sidewalk outside? I think it mentioned in the scripture that birds would just come and take it up. But remember, the seeds aren't my job. So maybe if God is letting seeds fall on the sidewalk or hard ground, he's wanting me to do some work on that hard ground. And I'm telling you right now first, I know for a fact that if I went outside and watered that sidewalk, there's fertile ground underneath. And I can hear you thinking, Chris, that's crazy. What a waste of water, what a waste of time. But if that's where God's putting seeds, and the scripture says he is, and you want to know how I know that if I kept watering that sidewalk that there'd be fertile ground underneath? Because I've been to the Grand Canyon, and I've seen what God can do with water on rocks. 
And you say, sure, but that's God's handiwork. But in John, Jesus tells the disciples, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, greater works than these will you do. And because Jesus died on the cross for my sins, the Holy Spirit is in me right now. And if you've accepted the gift of grace, the Holy Spirit's in you, too. And if you haven't accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or you just have questions about following Jesus, talk with Jimmy or talk with me or the prayer team afterwards. We'd be happy to talk to you. And you know what? If you're looking for a church family, First is a great place. We've got some wonderful gardeners here. We've got some amazingly good people just to hang out with. You know, Jesus says, if we believe in him, we will do the works he did and more. Perhaps that's what he meant when he talked to the disciples about moving mountains. So first, let's be great gardeners. And let's understand that we won't always have a bumper crop that we can see, but we will always have a garden where a bumper crop can grow. Remember, the seeds and the harvest belong to God. I think as he sat in jail, that's probably what Paul realized when he wrote to the Philippians. I've learned to be, in whatever situation I am, I've learned to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. Father God, Thank you for your word. Thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. Lord, thank you for breaking up my ground and my garden. Thank you for showing me what it means to weed and to love, to forgive as you've forgiven me. God, we love you because you first loved us. And it is in your son's holy name we pray. Amen.